turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Now, when we last met, we studied Jesus' words related to the issue of anger. And now today we're going to be studying what he says about lust and divorce. And these subjects are often related. Anger, murder, lust, divorce sounds like television every night, doesn't it? No, it's the New Testament. It's the book of Matthew. It's the Sermon on the Mount from Jesus. And Pastor Layton is continuing a study in what we call the Beatitudes. Thank you for joining us on this, another edition of our broadcast. This is an ongoing series, and if you've missed any of the previous broadcasts, you can find them on our ministry website, studyversebyverse.com. They're available for you to listen to or to download, and there is no cost, of course. We are a nonprofit outreach, though, and would appreciate your financial participation, if at all possible. You can give when you go to that website. Again, studyversebyverse.com. Someone invites you to turn in your Bibles to chapter 5 in the Gospel of Matthew. Chapter 5 in the Gospel of Matthew. And I want to preface my message today with these comments. And that is that today's message is going to be confrontational. It's going to be confrontational to us all. I'm so thankful that our church family is a church family where we have a pattern and a history of just saying, this is what God's Word says. And that oftentimes people will come up after the service and say, Pastor, thank you for just saying it like it is, just telling us what God's Word says. If we've got a problem with it, we need to work it out between us and God. But thank you for just saying it like it is. Now, uh, we studied earlier this year the Lord's Prayer in a, in a mini-sermon series, and we found that there was a certain subject that was referenced, not once but twice, and it had to do with the kingdom. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, and for thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory. So in Matthew's Gospel, Jesus is presented as, as the king, and the scholars tell us that the Sermon on the Mount is the manifesto of King Jesus. So we, we, we want to find out what this kingdom is about. That's why we're investing this time in studying the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount begins with a portion of Scripture we call the Beatitudes, which describes the values of this kingdom. And when we look at the values, we find out that this kingdom's values are completely uh, upside down when you compare them with the values of this world. Like this world would say, blessed are the rich. And to that, Jesus would say, blessed are the poor uh, in spirit. And basically, the bottom line is, if we abide by the the Beatitudes, we're going to stand out. We're going to be a peculiar people. But we're also going to be blessed. Each one of the Beatitudes begins with the word blessed. And each week I ask the question, do you want to live a life that's blessed? And the answer is invariably yes, because I think that's why you're here. You want to know how to live a blessed life. Now, if we live according to the Beatitudes, then uh, we're going to be living like Jesus did, and we're going to be treated like Jesus did. We're going to be persecuted for that, which is why Jesus goes to address that issue. And, And he says, instead of hiding, you need to let your light shine. I've called you to be salt and light. You need to let your, shy, your light shine. Don't put it under some kind of a cover and keep it covered up. And then he goes on to say, think not that I've come to abolish the law. And the reason this is clarified so early in the Sermon on the Mount is because his enemies accused Jesus of not abiding by it, but rather defying the law. He did things like deliberately heal people on the Sabbath day. 
and he paid no attention to the traditions of the Pharisees. And he had the audacity to associate with sinners. Can you imagine that? And he didn't observe the ceremonial hand washings that the law commanded and so forth. And so ultimately Jesus was crucified uh, as a lawbreaker. But here he speaks of the law with a, an exceptional reverence. Listen to what he says beginning at verse 17. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, as we learned previously, Jesus wasn't suggesting that we exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees by trying to manufacture or produce more righteousness of the same type. What Jesus was saying is we need a new and better type of righteousness. We need a type of righteousness that not not, not only affects our behavior, but affects our heart. We have a changed heart. And the only one who can change a heart is God. That we need to have this righteousness that comes from God through Christ our Savior and Lord. We need to hunger and thirst after this kind of righteousness. Now this kind of righteousness that exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, Jesus goes on to describe in six examples, each of which begin with the words, you have heard, or something, some variation thereof. You have heard. Many people in the time of Jesus, like through the centuries, were illiterate. They, they couldn't read. They depended upon the teacher to teach them what God's Word said. And most of these were taught by the scribes and the Pharisees, which is why Jesus had to get in and, and clarify what God's Word really was intended to mean, not what they had been taught it meant. Verse 21, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder and whoever murders will be liable to the judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you were offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard, and you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. You've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out. And throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better for you to lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. 
Now, when we last met, we studied Jesus' words related to the issue of anger, and now today we're going to be studying what he says about lust and divorce. And these subjects are often related. You remember that we we recognized there was two kinds of anger, the kind of anger that quickly erupts and then quickly dissipates, but then there was another kind of anger that just smolders and is fueled and it lasts deep and long. That was the kind of anger that Jesus referred to when he was talking about anger. And, and, and this smoldering anger, if held towards your spouse, can lead to a dissatisfaction in marriage that contributes to you looking elsewhere and lusting elsewhere, which then can eventuate in divorce. In teaching about lust, Jesus literally gets to the heart of the matter by explaining that sin begins in the heart. And what he says in very strong language is we've got to get rid of this sin. Now none of us will ever be sinless as long as we're breathing. As long as we're alive, we're going to struggle with sin. If you read Romans 7, it's made very, very clear. But as long as we're alive, we need to watch our thoughts and our motives and our temptations. And if we find that there's something destructive leading us into sin, we need to cut it off and throw it away. That's what Jesus is saying. So with that as an introduction, let's study the passage verse by verse, beginning with verse 27. You've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So here again, Jesus quotes from the Ten Commandments, you shall not commit adultery. Very, very clear, Exodus chapter 20. According to the Old Testament law, a person must not have sexual relationships with someone other than their spouse. Jesus said, but I say to you that even the desire to have someone other than the spouse is mental adultery and therefore sin. Jesus said, if the act is wrong, then the desire to perform the act is wrong. Now here's Jesus' second example of this new standard of righteousness that exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees. Now it's important for us to understand what Jesus was saying. According to the literal meaning of the Greek, the man who is condemned is the man who looks at a woman with the deliberate intention of lusting after her. Deliberate intention. He's not speaking of the natural uh, desire which is part of human nature. Warren Wearsby wrote, it is possible for a man to glance at a beautiful woman and know that she is beautiful but not lust after her. The man Jesus described here looked at the woman for the purpose of feeding his inner sensual appetites as a substitute for the act. Now it speaks of the man here but it's really talking about the person because men with women, women with men, the person who is condemned here is the person who looks at someone else in such a way that their passions are deliberately being stimulated. It's filling one's mind with fantasies that if those fantasies were acted out would be sin. Now all of us are affected by this because all of us live in a fallen world and we are surrounded by things that constantly want to distract our attention down paths our attention ought not go. Uh, we books, plays, pictures, advertisements, commercials on television. We can't get away from it. Even when we drive down the freeway, we see billboards, and many of those billboards have been specifically designed to distract us. 
Now, it's important to note that Jesus is not saying that if we have these lustful desires and we've sinned, so we, if we've sinned, we might as well just go ahead and commit the act as we already sinned. That's not what he's saying. Acting out sinful desires is harmful because it is a deliberate rebellion against God's word, and it always includes and hurts someone else who we involved in our sin. Both are sin. Sinful action is more dangerous than sinful desire, but both are sin. We must hunger and thirst after righteousness. And we'll continue from right there when we come back with the next edition of Study Verse by Verse from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno with the teaching of Pastor Leighton Sheely. And are his words, his final words there, ringing in your ears? Do you hunger and thirst after God, but you're not sure how to do that to a greater extent? On Sunday evenings at Church of the Highlands, there is a service called Missio Dei, which is a Latin uh, Christian theological term that can be translated as the mission of God. And simply put, Missio Dei is a Bay Area community seeking intimacy with God, relationships with each other, of course, and an active pursuit of positive change in our city and our communities. If you'd like to know more about Missio Dei, they meet at 6 o'clock each Sunday evening at Church of the Highlands. Then check out the website highlands.us. That's highlands.us. I'm Mike Trout. As always, we're so glad you've joined us. Come back next time when we will once again open the Word of God and study verse by verse.